back to another episode before we get into everything today as always just want you to know that you know this is a construction zone so we're building here um the dialogue and discussion that we're going to have today comes free of your approval your agreement and your authorization just want to let you know that um you know i'm not too proud to ask for my love so definitely like subscribe share however you catch in this episode whether it's on youtube or uh podcasting platform of your choice definitely 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 uh, like share and subscribe um, and let a friend know and definitely send me some feedback. I've been getting good feedback from some previous episodes. Um, so go check us out on the line. Check out the website, unsolicitedwithgeorgeD.com. We got merch there. You can catch a collection of everything we got going on. Appreciate everybody who's been making some purchases. Hope you enjoy what you have. Send me a flick or something like that with what you got. Would love to see what you're wearing and how you're wearing it. All right. Before we get into this, ladies and gentlemen, I just want to say like life been life and apologies for the delay. This episode I actually been working on. The last episode, episode six, I got into emotional intimacy levels or emotional intimacy as a whole, but definitely some emotional intimacy levels. And I was really excited about that episode. It was a lot that I learned about that. And um, it was very, very introspective. Similarly, in good fashion, over the last couple of weeks, there's been things that have been coming up, but there's two particular things that have happened in recent times, one more recent than the other. Uh, that I'll share with you momentarily. Both of those things, I can honestly say, were it made me just kind of pause and just it really brought this next phase of intimacy into light. Before we get into that, I just kind of want to let you know how we're going to get into it. So follow me here. It's going to be a little long episode. I apologize. It's not a lecture. Going to be sharing some personal things, but at the same time, definitely, definitely want you to flow with me. So I'm going to let you know how we're going to do this episode. All right. Bring down some context or whatever. I'm going to lay the groundwork so you understand what's going on here. Next up, I really want to discuss some levels. By the way, we're talking about physical intimacy here. So I'm going to lay down the context. And I'm going to give you some discussion. You know, we're going to talk about some levels to this. Then we're going to talk about men specifically. As I said, this is a construction zone. This is designed for the man at work. I really want men to give me their feedback on this episode and if they agree or disagree as I was coming across this topic and as I was delving into it, researching it, really con- meditating or contemplating on it and things of that nature, I was seeing what resonated, what landed with me and what seemed far-fetched. But me personally, then seeing what landed with maybe friends of mine or what have you. Then we're going to talk about some issues with the focus on reality of fear and starvation. I know that second word probably makes you go starvation. Yeah, starvation. Next, how do we increase it within our relationship? So follow me down this yellow brick road of uh, physical intimacy. Let's start here. In verse 22, this is the creation of the woman, Eve. But you don't hear Eve coming into the earth saying, where's my man? (laughs) Huh? Am I reading it right? 
It says the man said. Eve came into the earth. Watch this. Adam was the one who was broken. Eve came into the earth whole. She had both ribs. Society wants women to believe you're broken if you're not with somebody. But God says the woman came into the earth complete, not seeking or needing anyone or anything. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but you got to stand in your power. You are one of one. There's nothing wrong with you if you're not with somebody. You as a woman are complete. You're whole. Ah, and I got to say it because I'm tired of us supporting a culture that tries to make women think there's something wrong with them if they're not married. It's just not true. Agreed. It really is not true. I do not believe it's true. No. Women, there's nothing wrong with you. Men, there's nothing wrong with you. If you don't have somebody, if you're not married, there's nothing wrong with you. Only problem here is that no difference in prosperity preaching. God didn't say this. You can insinuate that. You can infer that. You can probably conjecture, hypothesize, whatever that God might have been saying. But not true. Scientifically, you know, I had to even look it up myself. I was First, I did my little checks. <laughs> See if I was missing one. I'm not missing a rib. Ladies and gentlemen, both men and women have 12 pairs of ribs. There are exceptions to the rule, but it's gender neutral. All right. So would I just say that much? Shout out to Devon Franklin. I get the point. Um, the road to the point. A little bumpy. Uh, but I get the point. I definitely get the point. And for anyone that feels like something is wrong with you because you don't have a person or you may even lost your person. Please know that everything is okay with you. All right. But we're going to get into this a little bit further. So I'm going through the week. This happened a little bit further than that. I came across this kind of went viral and I was like, wow. But let's find a landing spot for it. Check this out. So I just left a restaurant after waiting 30 minutes for a date to show up. And apparently I got stood up. I don't know what to say. Like I'm trying to do everything right to be a gentleman. I brought flowers. I've been consistent talking with this girl for two weeks, trying to get to know what she likes, what she doesn't like. I made plans. I picked the restaurant, the day and the time. You know, I've done everything to be just the kind of guy that would value somebody's time. Like, I just, I'm just looking for my person. I'm just looking for the one that, I guess, is out there for me. I mean, I want to be somebody's husband someday, father. I'm trying to do everything that's right. I can't just get stood up. Like, my feelings didn't even matter. Sitting there eating a meal by myself. And realizing that nobody even cares about people anymore. Like, Elliot dating shouldn't even be this hard. It shouldn't be this hard to find somebody. It shouldn't be this difficult to fall in love. To be kind to one another. Like, what? Ladies, tell me, what did I do wrong? That's not me, baby. Listen, um, my man, you sound like you may not have a tribe of 
men around you or men that you can go to OG, somebody that could holler at you, that can school you on some things or whatever the case may be. Listening to him, I don't want to say he wanted too much, but I could hear some desperation in his voice. And that desperation, in a sense, if I'm right, I could be absolutely wrong, right? I could absolutely, absolutely be wrong. But whatever it is, he could have been heavy. I don't know. Could have been heavy. But why would that woman not be there today at that restaurant? Why would she leave him sitting there eating a meal by himself? Why wouldn't she have the quote-unquote decency or consideration to go and at least just make good on the date? Y'all set it up. It was a plan. It was agreed upon, et cetera. And why does my man feel so bad about it? Why does he feel so down, like almost like he's, and he's asking about his own value. Like, why me? Like, what, what did I do wrong? If you can go down that litany of, I did this, I did this, I did this, I said this. That means he's been trying to listen to women and they're talking about be a leader, you know, set the date, uh, set the time, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe he messed up by not saying, hey, can I pick you up? But in this day and age, I can understand if a woman's like, hey, you know what? I'll meet you there. First date. Don't know if it's going to go right. Don't know if I want you to pull up to my crib. Could be a, you could be anybody, whatever the case may be. If this doesn't go anywhere, why would I want you to still have my address? I get it. I absolutely, most positively get it. But those whys are some of the things. Let's see if we can unpack a few of those um, today. So let's talk about intimacy. As I said before, this episode is about physical intimacy. Last episode is about emotional intimacy and the various intimacy levels. This episode is going to be about physical intimacy. So what is intimacy? I think as a man, I've heard the word so many times, especially from women, not necessarily from women, from men. And I've always, you know, you come up with your own definition for what it is, right? Uh, you know, you might get into some, you might say, oh, some kissing and some touching or sometimes you kind of sexualize it like, oh, because it kind of leads there. So you go, oh, maybe sex and the things that lead to sex or whatever. So men, like, because I went through this, I went through this like a person, like I got a, I got a son and one day I'm going to have this conversation with him as well, probably sooner than later. But, uh, you know, we've already been started talking about women and things of that nature, but I didn't talk about this. But the recent episode and this one is something that is going to be a part of the conversation because not because th- he's, he's young. So maybe I might help him at a younger age, you know, but more importantly, you know, there's grown men, even myself. There's still things I'm learning today about relationships and intimacy. So let's start here. What is intimacy? Intimacy is to deeply know someone, to be deeply known by somebody. So it's a it's a two-way street, right? You want to know and you want to be known. That could be scary. Think about that for a second. You want somebody to know you and you want to be known. That's like the ultimate sense of vulnerability. That's what we talked about last episode with emotional intimacy. It's a feeling, um, it's feeling comfortable and enjoying being close to your partner. I can dig that. Especially if you're somebody who's reserving certain things for the person that you're really rocking with. I can understand that. Okay. Um, you know, it's that comfort. You want, everybody want, yeah, I want to be comfortable. Be comfortable. Uh, what does it include? It includes things like sensual touch or physical contact, you know, being in somebody's personal space, being close, uh, proximity characterized by friendship, right? You can have an intimate relationship with a friend. Doesn't have to mean sexual, uh, a lover, 
wife, husband, whatever. It, in, it includes romance. It includes trust. It includes love. It includes companionship. Okay, this is intimacy. Remember, it's about being d- deeply knowing and being known, okay? Physical intimacy. It can often convey the, the real meaning or intention of in, or interaction. Let me, go, let me back it up. Physical intimacy can often convey the real meaning or intention of an interaction in a way that accompanying speech cannot. I like when I did that. I wrote that. I don't know why I made it so complex, but it's that thing, that interaction, when you're trying to convey something, but you're doing it with some level of intention, but there's definitely an interaction that speaks louder than words or speaks as loud as words. What's important to note here, something so important that requires a deep human connection, physical intimacy, that is. It requires a deep human connection, true physical intimacy. Next, everyone views physical intimacy or certain types of physical intimacy differently. I can agree with that. We're going to go into that a little bit. I don't think women and men view intimacy the same. But they're all in the same ballpark. Let's figure out how. Once sexual intimacy is lost or non-existent, it can take a lot of effort. So if you lose it or don't have it at all, it can be very, very hard to build. I remember a time where I realized that I didn't have a friendship with somebody that I really care about. So when I had a highly romantic relationship with and I realized, dad, do I want to go back and become the friend that I wasn't or allow her to be the friend to me that she wasn't? And I just made my decision like, nah, I don't think I want to go back. I think, we, I think we've already crossed that bridge. Too much time had passed and I realized what the effort would be. And I kind of did like this evaluation. I was like, nah, I think this is where to, you know, be good, you know? Well, at least I was good. Um, a decline in sex life, a decline in your sex life or the lack of physical intimacy can lead to mood and anxiety disorders and even damage um, your immunity. Mm-hmm. That's how serious physical intimacy can be. These are some things just to note. Um, next up, a person's confidence often stems from their ability to please their partner in bed. And for women, a lack of intimacy in marriage can also um, equal feeling unloved. What's some non-sexual physical intimacy? Um, I think this is important because these are some of the things that we should try to incorporate into all our relationships and things that we should know and have on hand. Um, hugging. Cuddling, spooning, eye gazing, that's a hard one, but eye gazing, hand holding, sitting close to one another, leaning on another person, sleeping or napping with someone or your person, non-sexual. Obviously, the sexual and sensual forms of it go into sexual activity, caressing, foreplay, massaging, kissing, um, include, you know, not just on lips, head, cheek, body, erogenous zones, whatever. Um, or bathing with your partner. All right, so what's some benefits of physical intimacy? If you do physical intimacy right, some of the benefits that you should see are a strengthening of your emotional bond with that individual and vice versa. Um, It can reinforce a sense of safety. Uh, It can reinforce closeness. It can reinforce affection within your relationship. Scientifically, I read that, you know, it can lower cortisol levels. So ideally reducing stress and anxiety, it can release those endorphins, those things that make you feel good, such as oxytocin. We touched on that last episode. It can improve your immune function. Can you believe it can 
good physical intimacy can make you healthy. <laughs> it, it can keep you from getting sick. <laughs> you know, I seen something like some antibody IgA increases like or something like that in your body. So, yeah, it can help your immunity. Um, it can reduce your blood pressure. It can improve your sleep. <laughs> Ladies, when you see him knocked out, it ain't his fault. You did that to him. Um, especially the longer foreplay goes. So the longer your foreplay is, um, it could actually improve your sleep. Okay. It can increase your sexual satisfaction the longer the foreplay goes as well. So physical intimacy, the one of the benefits, it can increase your sexual satisfaction the longer you do, especially if you practice foreplay for a longer period of time. It can also increase and improve your pain tolerance and pain relief. So now we got it. We understand what intimacy is, that knowing and being known, understand some benefits, things of that nature. So I ask you, before we get into this, is your love tank or your tank empty, full, or somewhere in between? This is probably the question I ask myself first. Knowing these benefits, knowing these different things that you can do sexually, non-sexually, et cetera, et cetera, I had to ask myself and kind of revisit past relationships and just identifying with, was my tank empty, full, or somewhere in between within these relationships? What's important to know here is that when it comes to your tank being full, empty, or somewhere in between, some of the things that, involve, that are involved in this is, is, is the criticality of or importance to discuss your physical intimacy needs with your partner. Why, would you, why is that important? Um, because it's in, it may be really uncomfortable. Right. So whether you're full, empty or somewhere in between, you got to ask yourself, how well do you discuss your physical needs with your partner or have you with your partner? Were you comfortable talking or were you very uncomfortable? How much contact did you experience with this? Was it infrequent or very frequent? Because infrequent contact can also become stressful. So think about it. Were you in a very were you experiencing frequently? Was that stressful or were, were you more stressed when it was happening infrequently? If you experienced that. The next reason why you should be talking and it's critical is because you know what you need. You, only you know what you need. You can assume, hope, wish the other person does, but at the end of the day, you know what you need. So only you can communicate what you enjoy, dislike, or cannot handle. So touch is also used as a form of communication. Obviously, we're talking about physical touch or physical intimacy here. The amount of intimacy that one needs to be categorically considered enough is subjective and relationship independent. So what you may need versus what your partner may need versus what your friend may need or somebody else may need in terms of understanding what's enough physical intimacy or intimacy in general is all based on you and the relationship. Nothing more, nothing less. A potential sign of enough, if you want to kind of identify what, if it's enough, think about do you ever feel overwhelmed by touch or some form of tactile communication? Do you ever desire your space? Are you like, okay, I need my space. Let me get over this side of the bed. Let me leave the room. I'll come back tomorrow. Do you find yourself withdrawing from your partner? Signs that, you know, you kind of had your feel. Do you crave physical touch? Consider addressing this you know, and this expectation and address any hesitation or any fears related to physical intimacy with the others. It's very important. Lastly, is your sex life satisfying? Do you find your sex life satisfying? 
You need to acknowledge and discuss this with your partner. You need to discuss your gratitude with your partner. You need to discuss closeness with your partner. So when you're, for those of y'all who are in a relationship, if you're experiencing, if you're in that space where you're trying to figure out if you're full, in between, or somewhere, or somewhere in between, or empty, think about that. What is your communication like? What does your partner know about your, your, uh, your physical intimacy needs? Are you overwhelmed by it? Are you kind of like in that space? Are you getting enough or not enough? Um, are you craving it more than you're receiving it? And do you find it satisfying at all? Because that will affect your relationship. So what's important to know here? There's some stages to physical intimacy. Tactile and somatic uh, communication, i.e. body language, can be described in the various stages. I found this very interesting, so I'll, I'm going to read this off to you. But this was something that I never thought about. And I think that we deal with people on a regular basis that we never really deal or identify with. What is it about or how do we get to where we get to? Sometimes we just end up places, maybe the chemistry is dope, or maybe you're just kind of going with somebody else's motion or whatever the case may be. So you may not be thinking about all these different things, but I had to think about these different steps. So I want you to as well. Are you going through all these stages? Have you gone through all these stages? Or, you know, it's okay if you skip the step, I'm sure. But can you identify with these different stages within physical intimacy? So let's start here. Eye to body. And this is where two people make eye contact. Seeing shorty across the room. Hey, oh my God. You know? Um, and you become aware of each other from a presence standpoint. You notice attributes, height, weight. What she look like? What she wearing? What's her smile like? Next is eye to eye. That's when you start making that eye contact. Start maybe start gazing at each other, eye looking at each other. Can't keep, keep your eyes off one another. Then it's voice to voice. That's when you actually start sharing words with another person. And it doesn't have to be verbal like this. It could be text. It could be email, any form of communication, but you're sharing words. Next is hand to hand. Got the talk and now we're starting to touch. It could be ex- accidentally or intentionally, but it's starting to signify that, that closeness in your relationship. The next thing is arm to shoulder. You're like arm to shoulder. Maybe placing it when he places his arm, when you place your arm around her, you know, her shoulder, you know, bring her close. You know, it's a very intimate act when someone does that, by the way. Arm to waist. Hey, hey, hey. Touching that lower back, grabbing around the waist, bringing her close. Y'all know what that is about. Mouth to mouth. Mm. That's when you start kissing. Maybe on parts. But just kissing in general, you know? Um, next is head, hand to head. Touching another person's head is very, very intimate. Maybe she's rubbing on your, you know, you're running your fingers through her hair, you know, uh, maybe wiping away somebody's tears or just touching her face or grabbing her face as you kiss her or what have you. Maybe caressing her face, just kind of like around the chin area, something like that. That's the hand to head action. Then you got hand to body. This is more foreplay-ish. You start putting your hands on somebody's body, maybe exploring it, as, you know, with your hands or whatever. Next is mouth to torso. This includes kissing another, you know, maybe the neck, the belly, or some erogenous zones and things of that nature. Maybe moving forward towards some oral sexual intercourse. When you get to these levels, it's very important that you get consent. Very, very, very critical that you have consent. Because the next step is sexual intercourse. We don't got to say much about that. That's genitals, genitals to genitals. But this actually marks a physical union with somebody. And these are the stages of physical intimacy. Have you skipped? 
where you did you go through all these different levels? Maybe sometimes faster than most, but you know, or faster than you expected. But nevertheless, can you identify with these stages? Are you going through these different stages? All right, so let's talk about some men. So here is something that I thought about and something that I kind of had to parse through myself and just kind of see if, how much I identify with these different things. But one of the things that I found very, very interesting, or I found to be common is that for men, intimacy has a physicality associated with it. So ladies, very important to understand this. Dudes, don't feel bad about this. This is very important. Um, this is something that I had to kind of reconcile with because, you know, I'm, you know, you hear about the lower chakra and all these different things of your lower self. And sometimes you do things to reluctantly because you don't want to, um, you don't want to give off the wrong impression. You can't help yourself but feel this way, but you try not to give off the wrong impression. But what I've, un- what I've come to understand is there's a level of physicality when it comes to men and intimacy, just like maybe a natural tendency, if you will. So it's very important that you become comfortable with the fact that there's a level of physicality. What am I talking about, right? So I came across this quote right here by a woman named Barbara Cartland. And what she said is, among men, sex sometimes results in intimacy, whereas among women, intimacy sometimes results in sex. So we still get to the same place, ladies and gentlemen. It's just how we get there. Are we going to go through sex to get to get intimacy or are we going to become intimate to get to sex? Chicken or the egg? <laughs> Cart before the horse? I don't know what you want to call it. But it's a, it's a very important thing to kind of understand that nuance. Next, uh, men are often more physical in their journey to intimacy than women. Physical doesn't always mean sex, not necessarily. But there's a level of physicality where dudes want to be intimate or try to express physical intimacy or intimacy from a physical sense. Um, I found this point to be interesting, right? If I'm wrong, somebody tell me, let me know, it's all good. But men release oxytocin at, it, at their highest level or at its highest level during sex. And that allows them to be the most vulnerable and their most intimate. I found that to be interesting. If I'm wrong, somebody tell me. All right, this is me paraphrasing and literally trying to get an understanding for those that already done the work. But if it's true, that's a very interesting thing. That that pleasure thing, that pleasure hormone, that love drug, men get their highest of levels during sex, but it also allows them to be their most vulnerable and their most intimate. So that pillow talking, it comes it comes from something. <laughs> In general, men are physical creatures by nature. Men like being noticed, accompanied by touch and expression of affection. All right. So those are some things about men when it comes to physicality. What are some compliments? All right. Found this to be very interesting. Women don't want to believe that men want to be complimented. But men do want to be complimented. I'm not going to say just as much as women, but compliments works too. Why? Because they can boost your man's confidence. Now, a lot of women don't feel like they need to do that, but for the woman, it's like, I want to be good to my dude and I want to help him be his greatest. Feel free to give him unsolicited comments. Compliments, I apologize. All right? Men need to hear it too. It could be any type of reassurance for them. They don't need it like, tell me every single day, but a reassurance that you see them, that you notice them, that you 
feel a certain kind of way about them or did you think of them in a particular capacity? It could be about their career. It could be about their sexual prowess. If you're enjoying it, don't, don't beat them with a lie. Like some dudes are cool, lie to me all day type dudes. The average dude just want to know that he's working for you. You don't want to give him all the praise in the world, making them think what's untrue is true. But for what is good, definitely compliment him in that area. Praising a man should not lead to cockiness. So dudes, if you are a type of person that if you get praised, now you've got a big head, knock it off. For the most part, those that are more sensible about this, that praise will make them feel more loved and more confident within the context of that relationship and possibly within themselves as well. But the more you compliment the part, your partner, the more positive return you'll see in your relationship. If you show appreciation, gratitude, and all these different things, like it'll come back to you within your context of your relationship for someone who wants to be that to you as well. So feel free to give space too. A lot of men need space because space creates intimacy for some men. A lot of men need space to breathe. And it's a matter of finding a balance between that closeness and separateness or separation. I personally identify with this because I remember, I don't know how I discovered it, but I realized that there was a value when I miss someone. If I don't miss you, then I, I just kind of don't know, do I feel the way I feel or am I feeling this way because you're here? So I realized I'm best in relationship. It's best when I either create separation or we have enough separation for me to actually miss you, miss your presence, miss your voice, miss something about you. What are some basic needs that men have? This doesn't apply to all men, but most men. Men have a basic need for visuals. Ladies, don't look at it as a knock. We're different beings. So men are hardwired to take in all that they see, especially that which is seductive. We're visual beings. Men, you're a visual being. Don't feel bad about what you're looking at. Now, you could, be, you could look differently. That doesn't mean now be with your girl in disrespect by looking at everything that's moving. But nah, just understand it with your person and ladies Understand, be able to communicate that, that you have a visual need and, you know, how it is manifested within the context of your relationship. That's something you two guys can discuss and figure out a safe and healthy balance within that. Physical, men tend to have a physical, a higher physical need. Um, so men truly crave sexual intimacy. Now, I'm not going build, to build on that point right now, but I will in two, and one, after I say this, men need respect. These are some of our basic needs. We, we got a physical need. But we definitely need respect. A lot of women, you know, I've, I've been hearing a lot about does he deserve it? Does he not deserve it? Et cetera, et cetera. Listen, man, we can play the deserve game all day. But the reality of it is, is sometimes you have to be who you want to be. Or you have to be the model of what you want to see. You have to solicit the type of energy that you want to see. Um, I'm going to repeat myself later, but for the most part, just understand that men desire respect. You want to get respect, give respect, okay? Um, so men have a total need for respect. So ladies understand that. So when you're being disrespectful, and for those of y'all women who do know that men need this total respect, and y'all make that decisive decision to, like, that decision to disrespect, you got to understand that that's, that's noted, because you could have found a way to do what you do or say what you needed to say respectfully. So the choice to be disrespectful is noted and it's a violation. But what are some examples of that? Not speaking poorly or ill of or bad of your, your person. 
especially to others or to him. So not only you talk, not, again, don't speak poorly, ill or anything, not only to him, but to others. The worst thing is to hear from other people how you speak ill or poorly or bad of him. That you will lose automatically. That will, that's something that because he needs total respect, you will, you, you're going to end up feeling that later. Um, next up, no nagging. <sighs> Verbally express your appreciation. Focus on the positives. Next thing, she initiates sex. This is what I mean by the physical part. Most women don't understand this to be a fact. Some women do. Those that do, kudos to you. Keep it up. But just understand that men desire their woman to initiate sex. Men want to feel wanted just as much as women want to feel wanted. I'm a person myself who like, yo, if I do a whole lot of chasing, it's cool. But that feels somewhat to me. And I'm sorry for using the R word. So I'm just going to say the R word. I don't want to feel like I got to hunt you down, you know, you know, be on your back, pressing you, begging. Nah, that's not my energy. You know, if I activate, you need to activate right along with me and know you're on that same type of time. Because if you activate, I'm going to activate. That playing hard to get happens just a little bit. You can play with it just a little bit, but it needs to be consensual. So activate when we activate. But it's definitely dope when a woman initiates. Dudes need that. You know, when a woman physically expresses to a man that she wants, it's a turn on. He going to vibe with you. He going to vibe with you. And men want their partner to know. They want to know that their partner is excited to be with them in that kind of way. Definitely think about that. So what are some misconceptions about men when it comes to intimacy? What drives a man sexual desire is feeling connected more than it's just the sex. My man, Bache, he wrote, he wrote something and I kept it in my phone. I'm not going to pull it out right now, but. It says something to the fact that men sexualize need. So sometimes when men are in a needy state, right, a lack, a state of lack, sometimes they sexualize their need. And that, I think that's what's being misconstrued as niggas just, dudes are just horn dogs. They want to hit everything moving. They may be very needy right now. They may be in a need state. So they're going for, to fill some void. So that need might be misconstrued for that. But for the most part, most dudes want to feel connected. You know, they want to experience you. Um, as much as they want to be close and if they real for real, they, you know, they want to express themselves in that kind of way. Um, men can be very loving during sex if y'all on that type of time. Um, and they could also find this arena to be more manly um, and also be more vulnerable. Don't think that it's just a brute force attack. Next up, men, when the emotional connection is missing, a man's sexual desires tend to decrease. So if a dude is not feeling you emotionally, Sexual desire is going to drop too. The physical might happen. Nobody's saying that it won't. Again, this is not for all men. This is for the men that it supplies to. But if the emotional connection drops, the sexual desire drops too. When I hear relationships where men and women are both in the house, they live together, they're together, and they're not having sex, they haven't had sex in a year, that just bugs my mind. I'm like, how, how does that work? I know I can't see my girl coming in and out of the shower, blah, 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 unless I'm turned off to her emotionally. Um, but when a man's sex drop, you know, that sex dies down, he begins to withdraw too. When a man feels disconnected from his partner, it's going to cause that withdrawal. The sex might as well go away too. Most men love to please their partner. Don't believe that they don't. They really do. It's a boost to a man's masculinity if a woman orgasms. It is a boost to a man. Masculinity if a woman can orgasm. If he can make her orgasm, most dudes are happy about that. Young boys might be just happy for touching it. Men. If you can make your girl come, if you can, if you can, if you can satisfy her and pleasure her, 
yo, that's a kudos because her pleasure reflects a shared connection that y'all have. That means he knows you. He's going to feel confident. I know her. I know how to get her where she needs to go. So, men, where do you stand on this? I don't know. I feel like most of this I can agree with. But here's the meat and potatoes of where I wanted to go today. Because with physical intimacy, it's easy to understand the good. Very, very easy to understand the good. So easy to understand the good. Sex can be very pleasurable or gratifying even just for a moment, especially if you ejaculate or you orgasm and things of that nature. Sometimes just the act itself is, it is what it is. But within the context of relationship, which this discussion is all about, these are the areas that I think that we experience within our context of our relationship that we don't discuss. You know, these are the conversations that most men may talk about with they with they guy friends. But definitely, I know women are talking about it with their women friends. Because I have been privy to hearing women tell me about the conversation that they've had with other women and what they discuss and what they learn from talking to their women friends. So here's some things. Issue, these are all issues that can happen with physical intimacy. First, number one, sex happens way too soon. When one or both have sex, penetration intercourse, before intimacy has been established, it can cause an issue. Sex without intimacy can promote a sense of mistrust, awkwardness, or concern about the safety or goals of the relationship. You might've got it off, might be hopeful. A lot of people stay hopeful for a very long time, but if that intimacy is not really built, that intimate connection, that sex sometimes could make you feel like, am I only good enough for this? Was this the only intent? Was this the only desire? Past relationship trauma, unresolved grief, unresolved trauma responses that can affect your physical intimacy. Experience of, if you had a past experience with someone who was untrustworthy, untrustworthy um, in the, as an individual in a relationship or whatever, like let's say you was a victim of infidelity or cheating, this could be a physical intimacy issue in your relationship, present or future. Culture, there's people who are dealing with this from a cultural perspective, you know, because depending on the context now, um, physical intimacy may not necessarily be appropriate in specific environments, maybe in front of family, friends, in front of kids, in front of the family. You got to kind of keep certain things private, right? Relationship conflict. When one or both parties in the relationship um, are disappointed or frustrated, or the relationship is under duress, these are things that could you know, cause issues with physical intimacy. I've experienced this probably more than anything in the world. Um, just not seeing eye to eye with a partner and just like being off of them. Like, man, I kind of don't care how this thing fly. I only want to touch them. I definitely don't want them to touch me. You know, some people may call that petty. I've been told that's petty. I just don't understand it. Like, I can't really get one off. I ain't that, I'm, I'm, I ain't gonna say I'm, when I'm mad, I just, ah, I'm good on you. I don't want to touch you. Don't touch me. Stay over there. Me and you not really cool right now. I'm good on you. That's usually my energy, my attitude. I don't know if that's the healthiest thing to do, but I know that it definitely affects physical intimacy um, when I've experienced that in my relationships. This is the big one. And a lot of this conversation is going to deal with this, but fear. And as I went through this topic or this particular point, I didn't realize how deep fear was. And how it's so pervasive and how it touches so many aspects of our relationship, but definitely our intimacy and physical intimacy specifically. 
So what type of fear am I talking about? This could be fear of touch. Those could be those individuals who have trauma responses. Um, they may fear touch, a pervasive sense of danger uh, when close to another. And, and, and they may experience startle responses when being touched. I had this experience in my life uh, many, many moons ago. Um, I dated a woman and I remember I went through those steps. I seen her outside. It was in the club. And uh, like we locked eyes, like across the room. There's mad people in between, but it don't matter who was crossing by me and this girl was locked in. I just kept staring at her. I ain't gonna hold you. I was younger. I ain't had the confidence to go up to her and rap to her because I was staring in her eyes so much. I was like, I started talking myself out of it. Like, yeah, I'm bugging. I'm bugging. Hey, I'm bugging. Make a long story short, one of my boys, shout out to my man. Uh, I ain't gonna put his name out there because I'll reveal the source or that'll reveal the person. But uh, shout out to my man. He, um, when we left out of the club, he was hollering at her. Um, at her folks. So as I walked up to him, I happened to be surrounded by all of them. And I was like, okay. So I shot my shot. Me and her talked. We hit it off. And it was a semi-long distance relationship, but we hit it off. We talked for a minute. We talked for a minute. Um, Good conversations, good vibe, good energy. And then uh, probably... Maybe four months after my initial encounter with her, when I met her, I ran into her. I actually seen her for the first time. I actually was able to be in front of her. So we spent like the whole day, two days, like two days. Like I came one day, came another day. And on that second day, we started going. We already crossing all these, these different stages and um, we got to touch. And I just noticed something was a little off, but I didn't realize it. Make a long story short, time had passed, I think another three to four, maybe three, four months. And maybe four, like I say, maybe like four, maybe four, four and a half months. Now this is my girl, right? This is my girl. So now it's about six, seven months of just steadily talking, one visit where we've seen each other. Now this is my girl. And um, again, we finally get to that stage of, of touching as we got closer to probably getting towards that, you know, that last rung of physical intimacy where probably might get to physical intercourse, you know, was revealed to me that she had um, experienced sexual abuse um, as a child. I didn't know how to handle it. I think in my past relationship, that was probably one of the hardest things that I had to actually deal with because I, I met the person and the person was so dope to know that they were a victim of this broke my heart. Like I couldn't believe she went through that. You know, so much so that I couldn't even really be with her. Like, I would, I would do whatever I could not to be with her sexually. Like, whatever. And she would, you know, try to, like, get me. Because she, she wanted to be normal. Like, I'm not going to say she wanted to be normal. But through discussion, it was like, I didn't want, she didn't want me to reject her or not, not want to be in a relationship with her because of that sexual abuse that she experienced and how it affected her because it did affect her. And that was probably my most difficult relationship, my most real relationship that I've ever been in my entire life. We didn't last long because um, there was a great discomfort that I had personally. And like we talked earlier, I wanted to be physically intimate with her, but I couldn't. 
I couldn't get it out of my head that something had happened to her. And no matter what she would try to do to convince me, it just wouldn't work. And I couldn't do it. So fear of touch, fear of loss of control, the fear of loss of control, being taken away, not being safe. There's a lot of individuals that feel like that. Like when it comes to physical intimacy, they don't know if they can do that because they don't know how they, they don't know how they could respond, how they will respond to not necessarily being in control. Right. Will I lose control? Will I not have control? Will I be giving control unto somebody else? That could be a problem and that could affect. I think that's also can be a possible trauma response. But for individuals that deal with that, that's a real thing. And then this is the bigger one. Fear of intimacy. When I came across this, I didn't even know how to process it. I was like, what is fear of intimacy? So let's touch it. Let's talk, let's talk about it. This is the fear of being vulnerable with others. It can be also referred, it's also referred to as um, intimacy avoidance and um, avoidance anxiety. Wow. Okay. When you have a fear of intimacy, it can result in emotionally cutting oneself off, being totally emotionally unavailable. Next, it can also manifest itself in having this like uh, this chaotic closeness. Now, this I was, I struggled with a little bit trying to put this together and I realized, dang, how many relationships I've been in or how many people I've known that have been dealt with that push and pull effect in a relationship? One day they like you, one day they don't. One, you got together two months and you're not again together. How have I displayed that being in and out or somebody being in and out or when it's in, it's like, damn, during the relationship, you just feel like, dang, yo, are we together? Are we not? Push, pull, hold me, leave me alone. That Like just dealing with that chaos within a relationship. But it's cyclical, it's on and off. It's that push and pull effect, for real, for real. But let's talk about some signs of fear of intimacy. For those of us out there, men, you know, people call these things red flags or whatever. We're not going to really call it red flags. Today, we're just going to call these signs things that you should be mindful of because it speaks to something greater. It doesn't mean just a troubled individual or this is a person you should stay away from. It, it might mean, it just, let's just call it for what it is. This is a sign of someone having a fear of intimacy. This I found interesting, open relationships and negotiated monogamy. And this is when couples enter an agreement to decrease or avoid um, intimacy as it relates to solving problems or acknowledging true sexual desires. So monogamy provides a closeness that is too intimate so they may outsource it and allow it to be an option for someone else. So when I thought about this, I thought about people in open relationships. There's people in open relationships who just, I don't want to be in, I don't want to be tied down to nobody. I don't want nobody to be tied down to me. I don't want that responsibility, like some, whatever it may be. But I thought about this. I'm like, that might be a fear. I can't just be with one. I need two. Or people who are in relationships who take a blind eye to what could be going on right in front of them. They make excuses. He pays all the bills. (laughs) Oh, yo, she a good woman, man. (laughs) But it's negotiated. Or it's an open relationship to keep the relationship together or to, to lessen your responsibility within that. So if, 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 if I negotiate this, then maybe just possibly I don't have to deal with everything that comes with it. It's not all on me now. Frequent short-term relationships, running to somebody who's always in relationships, a serial monogamous, one who is unable to validate on their own or find a way to validate a relationship as sufficient. So they just keep bouncing. You with somebody for a month. Oh, yeah, he messed up. Or, oh, yo, I was with her, man. Shorty toes is whack. 
oh, shorty said the wrong thing or blah, blah, blah. Like when those individuals that go from relationship to relationship and every time their breakup reason is something they could work through, right? It's something they could actually work through if they really wanted to work through, but they find a way to get from one relationship to the next and just keep going on. And what happens is, or what can happen is it often leads to one entering into a new relationship to find themselves validated by somebody else or stay in that relationship and find that validation, you know, secretly. This is a big one here. Cheating and affairs, something I identify with. A behavior, they said this behavior is likely a consequence of not either trusting a partner, um, not feeling validated by a partner. And you got to understand, it's the, respon- it, the responsibility of validating or reassuring a partner can become exhausting. Therefore, it will stop at some point. So for those, are, those individuals that are insecure in their relationships and they need constant validation all the time, like, I love you, I care about you, you're the only one, I love you, I care, like that could be very weighty on the person who's doing it. Now, you might find somebody who is willing to do so and doesn't have any problems with it. But for the most part, it's, it should be understood that that is a tall order, right? So whoever's doing that got to be cognizant of what it takes to consistently uh, assure and reassure and validate and revalidate an individual and in a relationship. But cheating or affairs can happen from that. Maybe the person who needs to be validated or the person who's always doing the validating. Um, another one, an individual, you know, cheating and affairs can happen from somebody who has a tendency to self-sabotage due to some past trauma or some adverse childhood experience or something of the sort. Sometimes you could just be scared for your relationship. You're looking for a way out. So you do something to stop it because you're like, you know what? I'm afraid for where this is going. I think personally, I think I've been in a lot of these different spaces, you know, not really understanding is somebody the person I should be focusing on or not. And then as an act of cowardice, not being willing to either have the communication with the person, but at the same time, be open, open and honest with myself to separate myself from that foolish behavior, you know, like step away from the relationship to get that instead opposed to doing something within the context of my relationship that was only meant to, you know, get a validation or some type of understanding or, or to, to, I don't know, even know, like just deal with something else to make sure that I can see if this was it, but that's never really a good reason. You know, if this isn't it on its own merit, then it's not going to be it because you went over here. Now you're just monkey branching. Another fear of intimacy, this is another sign of it. If you have a difficulty, difficulty expressing your needs, as we mentioned earlier, so it's already challenging to share your needs and your desires. There's a challenge in that. Some people are very comfortable with what they want, what they need in a relationship, and some people aren't. But for the most part, in the short term, the impact could also be, it can make your, your, your the person that has this difficulty, it can make your needs feel like, or your desires feel like they're, they're not valid. But in a long-term sense, it could erode your sense of trust within that relationship. Um, a couple with pre-existing communication issues can cause this difficulty to communicate your needs. One of both partners lacking the emotional availability, again, emotional availability to express the needs. So somebody, if, you, if your partner feels like, hey, look, you don't care. You don't care about my thoughts. You don't care about my feelings. Just that, just that preconceived notion could cause that. Physical intimacy difficulties in general can cause a fear of intimacy. So what are we talking about? This can lead to an overcompensation of physical intimacy instead of expressing other forms of intimacy. So if you run into somebody, if you're involved with somebody who just 
habitual sex. You just want to have sex, 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 sex without the foreplay. There's no intimacy involved. Or someone avoiding physical contact, physical intimacy difficulties can create a fear of intimacy or, I'm sorry, are a sign of physical intimacy. So what are some causes of intimacy fear? Fear of being seen. As we started off by saying, it's about being known, knowing and being known by somebody. It's like being most vulnerable. So what are, these are the causes now. Fear of being seen. Do you have a fear of being seen? And I think a lot of times people are not really 100% comfortable with themselves, especially if you really like the person. Sometimes you don't know somebody's going to accept all of you. And that's a very difficult thing to present all of you. You kind of want to baby step somebody into getting it, which is not necessarily a problem. But at the same time, that fear of being seen fully can keep you from and facilitate the, 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 the fear of intimacy. You may feel like you're not going to be accepted if you become too vulnerable. You start to show only the good parts. But if the good parts are being rewarded and you're getting acceptance on that, it'll leave a, possibly an unsatisfying feeling with you because you know that it wasn't, the, it wasn't all of you that was validated. It was just the parts that you were willing to show. So yeah, you're happy you're being accepted and validated, but at the same time, you're probably feeling like, damn, this is not the whole me. They only like this now. So if I do anything other than this, man, I don't know if this is going to work. Next, fear of abandonment. The sense that a person will leave, uh, that you love could leave you at any time. This is called fear of intimacy. This might be something that may be deep rooted in your life. You feel like people don't stick around. You lost a lot of people. You might feel like somebody's going to abandon you. Whether it's a reason, little reason, no reason, whatever. Um, and, and you can practice this fear or you can exhibit this fear um, as a way of coping with this reality. Um, so what's next? Fear of engulfment. This is profound. The sense of losing oneself to vulnerability. It's like those people like, all right, if I start loving this person, I'm going to lose it. I'm going to be all in them, be so wrapped up. So you know what? I fear falling in love because every time I fell in love, I've been hurt. I've been whatever. I've been so into them. I lost myself. I, I didn't have anything. I gave them everything, blah, 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 blah. There's a lot of people who feel like that. Like, because I know how I love hard is the term, right? I love hard. So I feel like if I, if I do this, I'm going to get engulfed by the relationship. It's going to dwarf me. I won't be myself. I'll be the relationship or I'll be just their partner. Um, you might feel like you're giving too much and it'll create this loss of control that we talked about of yourself. That is fear of retaliation. This is a, this is a big one too. I've heard about this one, um, a fear of intimacy. A lot of times people fear this because, uh, especially physical intimacy, right? Because they feel like their vulnerabilities will be used against them. I seen something recently whereby a woman had sex with a guy and the guy showed, he recorded it and he showed his friend the video and now she's suing him because he showed somebody else. I actually seen something several months ago where somebody, I'm not even gonna bring the story up, but somebody was on Twitter and Instagram, whatever, outing mad dudes, like people who, who had, are regarded as quote, having status, you know, outing them. Right. So that can cause a fear of intimacy because you're like, hey, listen, I can't afford for somebody to put my business out there in a way to hurt me, defame me, whatever. Uh, fear of rejection. 
this is a big one too. Sometimes people fear intimacy because they don't want to be rejected. What if I love this person? They don't love me back. We just talked to this guy over here who was just rejected at a, he didn't even get to the first dinner date. The first date he stood up, he's primed to possibly fear rejection. And as a result of that, not want to be intimate, not want to be intimate, fear and rejection, fear and fear and not being accepted, you know, because now he's considering himself not good enough. Right. He's asking women, what's wrong? What did I do wrong? Can you help me? Fear of rejection. That's a tough one, man. It's hard to make somebody confident in their own abilities. Like I walk around sometimes and take for granted that I have this mentality that you enter in a relationship voluntarily and you should be able to exit them voluntarily. Right. And then more importantly, as difficult as pain may feel sometimes, that if somebody leaves you, they did you a favor. Why would you want to be with somebody who doesn't want to be with you? You should only want to be with somebody who wants to be with you. So if you're with somebody that does not want to be with you and decides to leave you, you shouldn't look at that as rejection. That's a favor. That's a layup. That's an alley-oop. You've just given me up, especially if I know I'm good, the opportunity to go find somebody or be found by somebody that does see me that does want me, that will not reject me, that will accept me, et cetera. But that's my own confidence, maybe my own arrogance in my own confidence, right? And it doesn't really resonate with me when I hear men especially speak like from a position of, I need somebody to tell me I'm handsome or sexy or this or that. I feel like you're not spending enough time with you to see exactly who you are, what you are, what you bring to the table what your strengths and weaknesses are. And those things are vital. So in many respects, maybe this is what this woman was dealing with. She was probably dealing with somebody who needed constant reinsurance and validation. So she's like, dang, do I really want to go on a date with this dude? I might be wrong for this, but I can't even sit through this dinner. Maybe I only accepted it because he was probably begging me. Maybe he was asking me so much. Maybe I felt like I needed to say it, but now that it came time to do it, there was nothing in my spirit that wanted me to go to this dinner date. Should she have more consideration and call and say, yes, I can't do this, bro? Yes, but she didn't. However, I can see that just based off of the, the questions that he's asking. I said this earlier and I'm going to say it again. Modeling. All right. A cause of fear is that you're modeling. What was your relationship like? as a, What did you see as a child or as an adolescent in the adults that you see that were in relationship? Sometimes we're modeling our, our behavior. I know a woman, I won't say how well I know her, but um, I know a woman who... Parents got divorced at an early age. Um, she grew up in a household. There were multiple people there, but grew up in a household watching her single mother and, you know, do, do what she do. Father was still in the present, but not in the home. And later in life, I seen how what she's seen modeled in terms of seeing a single mother, you know, was something that she to this day is modeling a modeling a need of I don't want or need a man or whatever because of the fear of seeing the divorce because she remembers what it, what it was like when she experienced it as a child. So even though she may not say it verbally, her actions show it. Previous trauma is another cause, right? So any past traumatic experiences can render intimacy either craved in any capacity or completely repellent. A lot of people are going through the lot. So why I started off by saying this, you know, these are signs and these are causes because I think we have to start, we can't fix nobody. However, but I think that with a better understanding of what someone else could be going through and why they are the way they are, could help us be better 
suited in there in a relationship. And if we start relationships, like I, I, you know, I I can't remember which episode it was talking about being friends, being friends first for real, like really truly identifying and really identifying, very validating if you could be someone's friend, but truly building a relationship or especially a romantic relationship off of friendship. As a friend, you can do more with this type of information to help that person deal with that trauma or support them through resolving past trauma, resolving, uh, resolving the modeling of unfruitful behavior or perspectives and things of that nature. Identifying, I'm not going to call them deficiencies, but those areas of improvement that cause someone to fit me to feel validated by someone else or by their relationship, et cetera. So what are some solutions to fear? Uh, the fear of intimacy. Tolerate disagreement. When communicating openly and honestly, expect disagreement. I'm a proponent of, listen, I speak not for agreement, but for just understanding. If we spoke more and we listened more just for the purposes of understanding how someone else is, is thinking, not to agree with them. And someone is, and you're comfortable with someone just listening to you for understanding and not agreement, we could probably go far, much farther than we are today in our relationships. A lot of relationships are breaking over, breaking up over disagreement. Your inability to tolerate disagreement in your relationship. If somebody doesn't agree with you, all right, we can't be together because me and you don't see things the same. People sometimes be wanting carbon copies of them or someone who's just uh, whatever you say. I'm not built like that. But I really think there's something that could help rid this fear of intimacy is just tolerating disagreement. Tolerating the fact that somebody might not like something that you said, done, or have done, or whatever the case may be, but how they treat you and what they do, and do they still love on you? Are they loving on you? Are they supportive of you? These are the things that are more more important than whether or not they agree or disagree with you. Next, self-assessments. Understand your past and where these fears come from. Take a step back and look at the forest, which is you. You know, you're a tree in this forest. You gotta step back and look at the whole forest. You're made of many parts. The tree is just one aspect of you. But consider yourself a whole force. Step back. Look at the whole force. Look at every part of you. Understand your strengths and your weaknesses. Understand your areas of improvement. Understand that a weakness is not something that cannot be improved upon. You may not be as strong as where you are already strong, but you can improve your weaknesses so they they don't become a a detriment to you. So definitely understand yourself. Take a real good inventory, really understand, assess yourself. So I'm going to pause for a second and say this real quick because I talk to a lot of women and um, they always ask me, George, why you don't tell men? Why you don't tell dudes need another dude to tell them this? And I always say, well, there's certain things as a dude, you just don't feel comfortable telling another dude. Something like this. Go to the fucking dentist. Go get that plaque removed from your teeth. Go get some braces to fix those spaces. <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. You know, beyond don't cheat, don't do, man, listen, there's certain things when I see dudes ain't going to do that because you're not checking another dude out. But as a man, like you got to know what you bring to the table and know what she brings to the table and understand there's always a visual component as well as other things. And sometimes we just, we, I think we always want to be in this acceptance mode. I want to be with somebody who's going to accept me as I am, take me for who I am, love me the way I am, not try to change me. Listen, we can all improve. And I would rather be with somebody that, you know, takes on that biblical principle of iron sharpens iron. If they see I'm deficient in some place or I'm weak, 
or I could be stronger. Like, hey, let's let's focus on how we can make this stronger. I'm not going to lament and harp on what you're not doing right or what could be which what is not good about you or not favorable about you. I'm going to focus more so on how I can help you make that area better. Because I'm the type of dude, like when I see a girl or a woman with a guy and like you going back to the previous example and his teeth fucked up, but I know that she care about teeth. I go, why you ain't telling that to your dude? Why, why would you be with your dude and not tell him, hey, yo, like I really can't kiss you like that because your mouth is horrible. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Why can't you? You got to. But gentlemen, speaking directly to you, do, do your own inventory. We good at spotting the deficiencies or the weaknesses or the things that we dislike or if we find unfavorable in the women or the other person that we're dating with. But are we good at doing that? And then what I also see is sometimes you know you fucked up, so you won't be with somebody who's as fucked up or worse than you because they know they can't tell you nothing. That's whack. That's whack, right? Both parties should be working towards helping each other become better. That's something you should think about. And there's something else I, I'm going to bring up momentarily that speaks to this point. But definitely, again, understand where your fears come from. Understand the issues and the things that you got going on with you and take active steps in your life or set the person up that's with you to help you be better. Authorize them, license them, empower them to help you become better. Practice self-validation and self-compassion. Don't harp on your bad, on the bad things that you do or have done your sins, your, your mistakes. Have compassion for the fact that you're learning every day. Have compassion for the fact that you made a mistake, but you're capable of doing better. You know, don't, don't, don't beat yourself up for what you didn't know or what you find difficult to overcome or do. That's a big, big, big thing. I just feel like sometimes we expect ourselves, we, we expect ourselves to be very superwoman and supermanish. We expect ourselves to know everything, figure everything out, get it all the way right. And if we don't, we don't do. And then sometimes because we don't, we don't do. We don't say and we don't do. Verbally affirm yourself. Go get those validating affirm yourself. Tell yourself that you're great. Tell yourself that you're capable. Make that a mental thing. Listen to verbal affirmations and audio. Do whatever you got to do to continuously condition your mind to see yourself better or greater. It's so good. I'm even saying this because one of the things that I find very entertaining to watch. I'm not even going to call it. I don't know. I consume it a lot, but it's um, well-off media. Uh, Deion Sanders and the whole Colorado bus. Like the, what he's putting in these guys and like the standard is high, the accountability is high, but he doesn't allow these guys to think for a moment that they can't do or they can't be. The, the mission is win and all they talk about is win. They, the, their slogan is I believe. Every day they, I believe whatever you want to put after that, I believe I can. Like everything is positive, uplifting. Like that seeps into your subconscious and that's going to be something that you're going to consistently feel. You, I mean, if you got to fake it till you make it, trick yourself, whatever. But that's part of the self-validation and having self-compassion for yourself that when you make a mistake, it's a learned lesson. It's an opportunity to grow from it. So even the bad isn't even bad. The bad is an opportunity for good. So therefore, it's good by consequence. The next part about that is when you behave in a way that merits the validation it makes it easier to validate yourself. Fake it till you make it. Behave like the star that you want to be. Behave like the man that you want to be. Talk like the man that you want to be. Walk like the man you want to be. It's so funny. I was watching uh, Biv, oh, Michael Bivens on um, this podcast that I like. Uh, 
in my expert opinion, by uh, Math Hoffa and the crew. And uh, <laughs> Mike Bivens said, Bobby wanted to be a star. He was walking outside with no shirt, you know, said leather jacket, leather pants, saying like, this is how the stars, this was this what the stars were, this is how they moved. So he was doing that at an early age. So his behavior wasn't because he didn't, because somebody told him he was a star. No, he believed he was a star. And that's how he behaved accordingly. So the next part of this is value, truth, and accuracy over affirmation or acceptance. This is very, very important. Sometimes people rather tell me to lie. People want to believe the lie, tell me the lie, don't tell me the truth. Instead, choose accuracy or correctness over an empty validation. Don't, don't believe a lie. Don't want to be fed the lie more than you want to be correct. You know you messed up, but you want somebody to tell you it's okay. Nah, you can improve, but this was bad. This instance, this one thing was not probably favorable, but hey, look, this is a learn lesson. This is something we can grow from. Choose to be seen for who you are and not who you pretend to be. There's a lot of people living a lie right now. A lot of people. Everyone is living a lie. Everyone's masking. Everyone's doing whatever they got to do. No judgment over here, but this is something that you have to do to overcome. That, that, that fear of intimacy in your relationship, if you choose to be correct and choose to be seen for who you are and not who you pretend to be and don't demand reciprocation, what, do I, what am I talking about? Don't rate to receive intimacy. A lot of people are waiters. They feel the kind of way, but they won't do something. What they will do instead is wait for something to happen so that they can act to validate their behavior. You feel the way you feel, but you won't behave that way. You want to say something, but you won't say nothing. Somebody say something to you. You want a hug, but you won't, you won't go get a hug. You'll wait till a hug happens. You, you want to be physically intimate, like sex or whatever the case may be, but you'll wait for someone to initiate. So you'll hint your way for five hours with something that you could have just initiated on your own. Don't, don't demand that reciprocation. Be a model, again, be a model of the intimacy that you desire. Don't model poor behavior. Don't model bad behavior. Don't model things that are unfruitful that creates fear, but be a model of what you desire to see happen in your relationship. The good stuff, the positive stuff, the edifying stuff, the nurturing things. Be honest with yourself and evaluate yourself frequently. Back to the earlier point. You know, intimacy begins with you. Thus, it requires you to ask yourself the tough questions, strengths, weaknesses. What do you want in your relationship? Who do you want to be in your relationship? How do you want your partner to be in a relationship? How do you want to behave with your partner in a relationship? How do you want to be touched? How do you want to be loved? How do you want to be kissed? How do you want to be held? How do you want to, you know, how do you want to watch a movie? Like whatever it is from a physical intimacy standpoint, be honest with yourself. Evaluate yourself frequently. You know, really ask yourself those tough questions so you have a better understanding of where you stand and what your needs are. Because again, it starts and ends with you. Monitor your inner dialogue, again, doubling back to the verbal affirmation. You know, stop the negative self-talk. A lot of people are unconfident in their relationship, whether it be in a sexual capacity or another capacity, because they're constantly telling themselves negative things, waiting for someone else to tell them, no, it's not that. They're thinking the worst before without nobody even inserting it in the conversation. So intimacy begins with you. Ask yourself those tough questions. Practice those positive self-talk. Really practice it. Tell yourself positive things like, yo, I'm going to love the shit out of this girl today. 
gonna let that shit out myself today. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm gonna I'm intentionally love and be great. Learn from successful re- friendships and relationships that you've had. Really think about that. Be a student of your, I feel like this, you gotta be a student of yourself and relationships you've been in. This is why unsolicited exists. Unsolicited exists in part because I started to realize that I was more part of a community of men than I was by myself. So as much as I'm saying this outwardly, I'm speaking to myself as well. You know, being a student, learning everything, everything that I'm putting down, I'm doing it like I'm learning it and I'm just sharing it with you. If you vibe with it, definitely, like I said, again, hit me up. Let me know how you vibing with it. Let me learn. Let me know what you learning or how you would add or what you would take away. This is about learning. We all in relationships. We all live in this life. We all got to cross paths some way, somehow. We should always want to improve and be the best that we could possibly be and, and learn from one another. So learn from your past relationships. Be a student of yourself. Don't think that you already done, like you out of school. You're growing every day. Your needs are changing consistently and constantly. Who you were at 16 is now who you were at 25 and who you're at 25 and now you're at 35. And however old you are, you're not the same person as you move along. Certain things you were into, you may be off of. Certain things you may be into have graduated. You changed how you want to do those things. It's important, very, very, very important to be a student of how you're growing and how you want to grow. Look at everything that you've done successful in your past. Bring that thing forward. Bring that thing forward. Consider your achievements, you know, and, allow, and, and, and learn those lessons and allow those lessons to push you forward. And like, lastly, you know, seek professional help. Ain't nothing wrong with getting some help. There's nothing wrong with seeing, seeking a counselor, therapist, couples coaching, whatever you need to do, implementing strategies, gaining new perspectives, seeing new ways to, 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 to skin the same cat. Like, do that. Seek, seek professional help if you need it. It may be more dire for some than others, but do what you can. Now, this is a big thing right here. You know, I'm sorry, y'all. This is a long one. I told y'all. But physical intimacy is something we deal with. So but as I get into this, like pretty much one of our last topics right here, this is something I hear from a lot of women. I see a lot of women living alone with dogs. <laughs> a lot of women who are in and out of a relationship can't really find one. A lot of dudes in the same type of time. So they start moving around, doing different things. And I never thought about this concept until I started delving into the physical intimacy. And I don't know where you identify with, but if you identify with anything that I'm saying here or anything that I'm about to put, present, definitely let me know. But I came across this topic or this concept called touch starvation. Never heard of it before in all of my life. Never heard about touch starvation. So when, what is it? It's when one lacks emotional closeness and social support. It could lead to one feeling very deeply saddened and alone. What can kind of address this? Stimulating the vagus nerve. That's something I had to learn, like touching yourself. Oh, when you touch a skin, skin to skin contact, that's stimulating that vagus nerve. And that, can, that touching can lower your heart rate. It can lower your blood pressure. It, could, you know, it can provide a sense of calm and ease. Have you ever felt like when a sense of nervousness and tension and then you get a hug from somebody that you really, really, really rock with and you could just see your body just melt in the arms. You just calm. Your girl laying on your chest while y'all laying in bed and then next thing you know, y'all calm out. Fucking heartbeat start matching. Breathing start matching. Like that's what this is about. You know, the lack of this can also amplify feelings of loneliness. Right? If you're not feeling that touch, it can make you feel isolated, hopeless. 
and it can provide or present or facilitate symptoms of depression. So touch starvation is possible in any and everyone's life for a number of different reasons. It includes the absence of closeness one feels if you're not in contact with other members of society, your friends, your family, or lack of emotional connections. Think about when you went to college, for those that went to college and you went away. A lot of times, that was the first time you're away from your family, your friends, maybe your boyfriend or your girlfriend. You know what I'm saying? Think about that. Remember that feeling that you had? You was around all these new people, new opportunities, whatever, but there was something about home. We call it homesick or whatever. And then those people that you had that bond and that closeness with aren't present. They aren't there. So people make their way back home like, oh, I'm homesick. Could have been touch starvation. So contributors to touch starvation include a lack of physical intimacy. This can include not sleeping next to, the, to your person. A significant lack of uh, time around loved ones. So if you lack a significant time around loved ones, that can, inc- that can include that. Missing your man or your girl, somebody's deployed overseas, you know, uh, a long distance relationship, things of that nature. Imagine someone who's isolated due to sickness, some type of illness. I think a lot of people experienced this during COVID, the way the rules were. Pregnant women, they lack that. They're giving birth. Not that many people can be in a hospital, you know, in the moment of death. Nobody, people couldn't even go to the funeral. There was so many things. A lot of people, I would be hard pressed to think that certain people passed because they felt alone. They were by themselves for many, many hours of the day. I had a personal experience not too long ago, and it made me respect this individual very, very much because they found a way to be around in someone's last days, like every day, all day, sitting on tile floors or wooden benches, going into rooms where they couldn't sit, seeing somebody who has all kinds of things, even tubes, patches, all kinds of stuff, and just seeing what they were going through and what they did to help an individual not feel alone at any point in time. A family member did that too. Around the clock, somebody was going to be in that room. Around the clock, somebody was going to be in that room. But self-isolation or isolation in general can cause touch starvation. What are some of the effects of touch starvation? It's important to note that it's difficult for a person to recognize that they're touch starved. So a lot of people can be touch starved right now. You could know somebody and you wouldn't know. You wouldn't know. They don't even know. But stress, evaluate and assess your stress levels. How stressed are you and why do you think you're stressed? Depression can lead to touch starvation, or this, this is a sign of touch, uh, touch starvation. Um, stress, depression, deep feelings of loneliness, difficulty sleeping. This could also be, you know, again, if you used to sleep with somebody, let's say somebody passed, and now you're sleeping alone, or you're so used to sleeping next to somebody. An increased anxiety can be a sign of touch starvation, especially if they're in, in the context that they're used to regular touch. Low relationship satisfaction. If you're in a relationship and you are very unhappy in your relationship, very dissatisfied, I think unhappy and unhappy are like relative terms, but very unsatisfied. There's a low level of satisfaction in your relationship. Ask yourself, are you happy in a relationship with, with the person that you chose to be with? Are you happy? Are you satisfied with them? Why, why not? A lack of physical and emotional closeness can also create this low satisfaction. But that's a sign of touch starvation. 
if you seek consistent and constant validation, it could be a sign of touch starvation. So someone may go out of their way to seek approval of others if they're not receiving adequate validation or support in their current relationship. First thing I'm going to say is consider the content on social media. You got people who are in relationships, people who are in relationships, and half the shit that you see, you like, yo, who are you with somebody? Got your whole ass out, whole body out. You on the gram 24-7. You out in the club. You at a restaurant. <laughs> you all live. You want people to see you dance. You want to see you eat. <laughs> it's constant, constant. Somebody might call it content. Might be some people that's touch starved in need of a lot of attention. They need that validation. They got to put those images out there so somebody can say, yo, you beautiful. Or yo, you handsome. Or yo, you this, you that. Consistently. And based on what they're probably putting out there, maybe you're on point with that. A decline in self-care is a big, big, big indicator of touch starvation. What's your physical self-care like? How are you taking care of yourself? What's your personal hygiene looking like? Take a look at that. Sorry, some solutions to this is simple. Share positive and consensual physical touch with loved ones. Hand-holding, hugs. It can be simple. It doesn't have to be sexual. Stimulate your vagus nerves. Massage yourself. Sometimes I grab my foot, massage my foot. Or I put in my little foot massager, whatever, whatever. But you definitely stimulate that vagus nerve however you can. Go get a massage. Go get a massage. If you ain't massaging yourself, go get a massage. If you've got a little, little apparatus, use that. Another one for those that live alone, a weighted blanket or a body pillow. That could be something good to sleep next to or sleep with because it can simulate um, the physical weight or presence of another individual. Positive thinking is always good to, to, re- to relieve yourself from uh, touch starvation. Next, exercise. I think this is important. I'm going to bring this up again one more time. But exercise is good. Touch starvation could, could, could be decreased. You can kind of solve this with uh, exercise. Emotional support pet. I see a lot of people who have pets um, and they have a close relationship with their pet, primarily dogs, but it could be fish. It could be whatever. Volunteer or be a service to others. I think this is an underestimated one. But if you're dealing with touch starvation, be of service to other people. And give your time to somebody else. Be of service to somebody else. Volunteer wherever you can. Go be amongst the people. Get into your interests. One of those episodes ago. Get into your interests. And be around those that have like interests. Right? Consider that. Not just go to a bar, a club, or something like that. Or speak even try art exhibit or something, you know? But be around people who have energy and the pre- and, and have presence. Like go be present amongst that. Keep in touch is another one. Stay in contact with your friends and loved ones. Video chat, text message, email, whatever. Schedule a visit, pop up, whatever. But be present when you do that. Consider being near loved ones. Move close to the people that you love and that love you. Or just be next to them. You don't got to talk. You don't got to touch. Go be, go, go to your grandma's house. Go to your friend's house and chill. Relax. Go kick it with somebody. Get up out of your space and go to somebody else's space. So we talked about all this, how to increase physical intimacy. I'm going to run through a few things. Take things slow in your relationship. How do you increase it? For those of us that are in a relationship, they're trying to figure it out. You know what I'm saying? There's a bunch of people who are in relationships and trying to figure it out. Might be a decrease, might be all right. Or you're just like, what else can I do? Take things slow. Some people are very uncomfortable with physical intimacy, particularly grand gestures. Some people don't want nothing. Don't be too public with it. Don't, 
take a picture and post it or don't, don't make a big spectacle of something. But take things slowly. Be romantic. This one's a good one. Very, very good one. So what does romantic mean? It means it's a dramatic or passionate gesture. Know that dramatic or passionate gestures to small actions that are intentional. This is all about romantic, right? Being romantic. Dramatic or passionate gestures to small actions that are intentional. They're unmistakable and they're deeply affectionate in expressing love and dedication. So when we talk again, when we're talking about being romantic, I'm saying that we have to be dramatic. We have to make or practice dramatic or passionate gestures to small actions that are intentional, unmistakable, and deeply affectionate in expressing our love and dedication. That's romantic. Find other ways to engage in activities that will promote physical intimacy, such as going for a walk, go to the movies together, sit next to each other at a restaurant as, as opposed to a park. I'm guilty. I like to look at the person. Sit next to the person. Cherish the small things. Again, a spirit of gratitude will go a long way in a relationship. So as we want to increase our physical intimacy, one of the things, appreciate the small things. Any small sign of physical intimacy, any small sign of physical affection, you know, are just important. It can be playful things, jokes, tickling, wrestling, public displays of affection, anything small. Acknowledge it, cherish it. Never force it. Again, coming back to the earlier point that I made, when it comes to physical intimacy, you cannot force it. It has to be consensual. Someone has to allow you to do what you are doing. So never force it. And get away from distractions. Physical intimacy requires intentionality. So definitely get away from distractions. Turn that TV off. Turn that cell phone off. Any electronic device or anything that's not really giving, that's taking away from your attention. And spend more time talking and sharing. Touch the right way. Mm, touch the right way. Stroke her hair. Or rub his head, lady. Rub the back. Hold some hands. Look into each other's eyes, but touch the right way. Be playful. Introduce sex toys and games. I know a lot of people think that's freaky, but it's going to help your intimacy. Go to the sex store together. Go online. Go, go look at some things y'all might want to try. Lingerie. Uh, different types of toys or whatever the case may be. Rope. It, it can help your role playing. You may learn about something. This might be the way that you might be able to introduce that thing that you want to see differently in your relationship. I would say watch porn together, <laughs> but I don't know. That might not go as expected. <laughs> if you do, I would say be mindful that it is not something that will probably create a level of insecurity um, within your relationship. Think about that. But other than that, let's go back to the originally scheduled topic. <laughs> be playful. Introduce those sex toys or things like that and, and sex games. Roll some dice. Don't forget the simple things. Again, it's the spirit of gratitude. Read a book together. Cook dinner together while listening to some good music. Develop good habits. Exhibit more tenderness and openness towards your partner. Understand the stages of intimacy. Remember what I said earlier about the different stages. So understand that and understand where you are in your relationship. Are you, are you the, was it mouth to torso? And arm to arm to shoulder, where are you at? But understand those stages of intimacy and understand where you are in your relationship so that you're practicing physical intimacy up to that level or up to that stage. I told you about exercising. 
this is something that you can do with your partner as well. I'm not always the best suited for something like this because when I hit the gym, I'm serious. But at the same time, I think that I will probably be more mindful of this particular one because I know how I've been in past relationships, especially. But exercise together. It reminds me of the movie, um, damn, it was one of them Tyler Perry joints where they was in the cabin and um, homeboy, you know, uh, the one with Jill Scott. And after they broke up, you know, she was all insecure about her weight and she da 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 da. And the new dude's like, no, nah, we could work out together. Like, you ain't got to do that by yourself. And that helped her lose mad weight. And when she showed back up, everybody like, oh, and then it's like, but that was one of their things. But it became something that was very intimate in their relationship. That's a good example of that. You know, exercise together, regularly exercise. Why is that important? Because it promotes a positive body image and it can boost your sexual satisfaction visually, emotionally, and physically. It increases time with your person. Um, and I think another thing is um, it can be used to tease the person. But I can imagine it right now. My girl in front of the stair mask and she, that might turn me on. The same way if she see me benching 225, she might be like, oh, okay. You know? But that, if y'all working out side by side, y'all doing certain things, squats, lunges, whatever you're doing, Y'all can playfully make this something that could be very appetizing to each other, you know? Another thing, and this is huge, um, may be uncomfortable sometimes, but this is huge, is explore your fantasies. I don't know if y'all need to get, you know, I ain't promoting alcohol today, but I don't know if y'all need alcohol for this one. But if you do, why not? Get a little liquored up, get a little tipsy, don't get drunk but explicitly communicate your fantasies. Maybe write it to each other. Do something, find a way to communicate that though. It's gonna require you to be brave, be open-minded towards trying new things um, and hearing new things. But what it will do is disrupt the predictability of your sex life and it'll help you explore boundaries of your sexual fantasy. Because a lot of people, and I ask you this question, are you practicing or expecting monotonous routine and sex with the lack of spontaneity? In relationships, that's very, 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 that can happen. This is the, what we do. This is how we do. Practicing the same routine over and over and over again. It starts to lose excitement, starts to lose thrill, a bunch of different things. So exploring your fantasies can help wrap things up. Next up, bridge the gap of communication. It's going to require effort, but you have to have open and honest communication because it binds a couple in a relationship. You have to find a way to express feelings or concerns to help from feeling trapped, frustrated, or resent, or, or, or keep from building up resentment. A lack of sex or a lack of intimacy is often a result of poor communication between couples. Think about that. If you're experiencing a lack of communication, what's the sex life like? What's the intimacy like? The effort that you practice to communicate at this stage um, in terms of bridging that communication gap is very, very critical. Your ability to do it will ultimately lead to the success of your relationship. Lastly, when it comes to physical intimacy, don't do it for the sake of doing it. Doing it for the sake of doing it. You must be intentional about investing your mind and your soul in physical intimacy. Making love half-heartedly will never increase physical intimacy. I think sometimes people don't think that other people know that they're not into it. 
I guess I can honestly say this. I've been on both sides of the coin. I've been in a relationship and during intimacy, not really being there, totally disinterested, mind somewhere else, or worse, mind thinking about somebody else. That's probably been the worst feeling. You know, like, I shouldn't be here. Right? Um, or not her, not you. So for a guy, that's probably a bad feeling too. If you can read it on her face, not you. So definitely choose wisely, but at the same time, choose in accordance with your true self. But don't do it half-heartedly and don't do it for the sake of doing it. Um, to be physically intimate, especially in relationship context, is about both of you. And that pleasure will help build a connection with, between the both of you. So you can't do it half-heartedly. Don't do it for the sake of doing it. Do it because you really want to please and be pleased. And again, you could always visit a counselor. So to the man at work, this concludes our running with physical intimacy. It took a long time to get to this ending, but the most important thing that we have to understand is that this is what the full gamut of intimacy is. I took my time with this episode and I provided a lot of information, a lot of strategies and a lot of perspectives to, to, to help make sure that we have a more well-rounded view of what intimacy is. I did it for myself. I'm sharing it with you because we don't want to be touch starved and we want to be able to recognize when we're dealing with a partner that may be touch starved. We might start understanding better when she's acting a certain way and she's acting, when she's asking for time or energy or for you to do something. It may not just seem like she's nagging or being pressed for this or that. You might start to see, man, am I leaving my woman touch starved right now? Have I been loving her in all the different ways or have I been intimate with her in all the physical ways that I could be? When I'm over here being with her sexually and practicing my and getting my intimacy that way, I can probably realize now that it may not be sufficient because she needed that intimacy in order to get to the sex. Maybe she gave me the sex to get some intimacy, but maybe that sexual encounter may not have provided her with all the intimacy that's possible. Hence why we go back to the earlier point about foreplay. That foreplay may be a way for you to get your sex, right? Because you're in a sexual act. However, behaving and practicing the intimacy that she may need. That might be the time where you can start talking to a certain kind of way. You look good. Ooh, I like the feel of this, a touch of that, boom, boom. You can talk your shit right then and there. You can touch, you can get the physical touch in. You can give her an opportunity to initiate or you do certain things. That can go back and forth. But, but the longer you taking this foreplay, that might be the way that you be, you're able to get the sexual gratification to get to, and be intimate. And she's able to be intimate and also get that sexual gratification. It's like a give and take with all this. But the whole point of this for the man at work is that physical intimacy is something that by nature, like we are, we're, we're prone to, we're interested in, and we're probably going to express it that way first, or we're going to go through that mechanism, that vehicle to get intimacy. But ladies, this helps you understand. He needs those, he needs those, 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 those compliments. He needs that, that, that understanding. He needs that initiation from you. He needs to know that you see him and you want him. That boost his confidence and that might help him reciprocate as well what you may need in terms of what you hear and how he handles you maybe may holding your hands or hugging you or rubbing you know rubbing you know his uh, running his hands through your hair or or 
touching you a certain way, kissing on you a certain way through the foreplay or through whatever the case may be. Maybe able to have that conversation starting uh, an encounter, a physical encounter with a lot of mind sex first, having more communication, talking about all the things y'all going to do, which means that it doesn't have to start when y'all in front of each other. Means that, hey, listen, yo, you could actually call them and start the communication or text and vice, vice versa. Y'all can start this communication by phone, text. Start building the communication up and start seeing all the things that will help build that intimate experience up so that the tension builds. And then y'all go into the foreplay when y'all finally get closer to each other. It leads to the sexual gratification, leads to sleep, leads to no less touch starvation, leads to all these different things. This is physical intimacy. We're physical beings. I heard a pastor say at my boy's wedding many several, uh, about seven years ago, eight years ago, she said, oh, damn, it's probably longer than that. She was like, Marriage is the most, most intimate relationship you're going to be in. She said it's going to be more intimate than your relationship with your children. More in da, 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 da. And I thought about that. A lot of times, you know, we fail to realize the intimacy that comes from that romantic relationship that, we, that is typically exclusive to one other individual. We underestimate that. And in underestimating that, we don't see it for how it could fully, fully nurture and edify us. So with that being said, I really, really truthfully hope that you enjoy this episode. On the next one, we're going to now tackle the spiritual one. Shout out to Devon Franklin for bringing that up. Again, ladies, ain't nothing wrong with you. Gentlemen, my man, ain't nothing wrong with you. Do some reflection, figure out yourself, get yourself in a better position. And I promise you, the woman is for you going to see you. You know, it's not a loss. You ain't do nothing wrong and you don't got to go to women. Keep asking them what you did wrong. You just got to continue to build on what you're doing right now and look at yourself from the perspective outside looking in, you know, stand back and see yourself as a whole force. That's good that you did all these leadership qualities. Look at the whole you and look at the woman that you want and then say, am I from an external and internal perspective who she would want and who she needs, right? And just continue to build and grow yourself, make yourself into the specimen that can't be denied. Right. And vice versa. Ladies do the same. But overall, this is just an episode on physical intimacy. We touched on emotional intimacy and intimacy levels in the last episode. I hope you got some from this. I certainly did. And I'm happy to share it with you all. Definitely. Definitely. Thank you once again for listening. Share, like, subscribe, do whatever you do. Definitely go follow us on our Instagram at unsolicited with George D on IG. Also hit us online, you know, go check our website out, catch all the collection of everything we got there, cop some merch, support the whole community of uh, men at work. And I uh, want to thank you again for listening. I'm out. Hey.